Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 63. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This was a special week for many people. Um, <laughs> I guess back to school. Back to school week for a lot of people. And I would say different results for different folks, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that was your back to school week. I know I talked to you. On Monday, and we were both having a rough go of it. Oh, yeah. I got kicked out of preschool, then uh. made me leave the room because I was had a bad attitude. <laughs> I know you said that it's your, your day started with crying. Yeah, there's just a lot of signing in, signing out. Uh, sign in for this password for this I thought I was ahead of the game I thought I had everything under control but I signed in I misunderstood and I created email addresses like parent protected email addresses for both kids and signed them into everything I thought we were ready to go but it turns out they have their own special school email addresses and then I had to figure out a way to kick them out of everything and get them back on in the new email address (laughs) it was stressful (laughs) were they were they your tears (gasps) they were my tears oh yeah (laughs) you said there was crying I was my (laughs) crying yeah I um the kids handled it so much better than I did to be honest with you I just I had a stressful work week because my work is switching over um everything because we have like basically new owners and so I've got to switch all everything over into the new name and switch email addresses switch phone numbers switch all this stuff so it was just like a technological overload right all week, and I am not good at the pewters. <laughs> I can I can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You, you know this, Sally. You know I don't know anything about computers. Uh, uh, I, well, I hope that you had a couple of cocktails last night that you – I mean, I know you had a show. So how was your show? The show was great. It felt Ugh. really good to – I was afraid that we – I might have jinxed myself. You know, we say we can't talk about things we're excited about on the podcast because then they don't come true. Right. And it was pouring buckets all day yesterday. It was. It was crazy. Like an hour before the show was supposed to start, it was monsoon. And I was like, Jen, I don't think this show is happening. You were like, they just called. They said it's still on. <laughs> I know. And I was, uh, I guess like uh, Georgia weather, it's like 20 minutes outside from where I live. They were like, nope, skies are clear. It's still on. And I was like, okay then. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, it was clear over there, like just 20 minutes away. And we had a, um, it was an outdoor brewery show and it felt really, really good to be doing stand up again. Um, Ah, I'm so, I'm so excited I'm so excited for you that you said it went well, and I'm excited now to do it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody go see Sally at Arches Brewing if you live in Atlanta. And it's on September 11th. I Yes, it is. On September they, 11th. Yeah. They said, yeah, at 8 p.m. So you can buy your tickets now because you have to reserve, because they're social distancing, you have to reserve these like picnic tables or these 
little fire pits. They have little fire pits you can reserve. Oh, it's pretty fun. cool. Yeah. So um, get on it. Cool. Well, should we get to quickies? Let's do it. Okay. So this quickie is from an article I found um, for KUTV.com. I don't know where that is. Mm, let's say Utah. Let's say Utah. Okay. KUTV.com. This article uh, it was written by Adam Forgy. This, so this just came out. So if you guys are interested, you can all jump on this opportunity. Ooh. That has arisen. A sleeping research and advice company called Sleep Standards wants to pay couples $3,000 to have sex on eight different mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all you need to do. You can sign up and Sleep Standards uh, will send you a new mat. So you don't even have to go to this place. They're going to send it to you. Sleep Standards. I can't. This is a tongue twister. Sleep standards will send you a new mattress weekly for eight weeks. And all you have to do is provide an honest review on how good that mattress is for doing it. They say Uh, in the article, (laughs) bumping uglies, but I hate that term. It's so, it's like moist to me. I hate it. So I'm going to say doing it. Um, So um, you have to provide an honest review on how good that mattress is for doing the sex. Then the company will swap out the used mattresses when a new one arrives. Um, So what are they going to do with those used mattresses? Sell them? I don't know. I guarantee you're not getting a brand new mattress. You're getting a mattress that the couple before you... (gasps) They're just rotating. They're just like rotating out the mattresses. Yeah. I mean, are they going to throw away a brand new mattress? Eight brand new mattresses? I guess. I mean, it seems very wasteful. It seems very wasteful. Um, I mean, I guess. That's why I'm against it. Well, apparently this dream, it says this dream job posting came out just in time for, do you know what we missed, Sally? What? Dumb love over here. We missed National Couple Day, which was on <gasps> August 18th. How could we? The social media is all the opportunity <laughs> we missed. We missed it. I know. Damn it. But it says that you can remain anonymous, but you could also be public if you wanted to. And they ask you to be extremely honest and rate each mattress on a scale of 1 to 10 on the following criteria. Number one is bounciness. Mm -hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I guess I don't know. (laughs) Noise. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Noise is bad. Firmness. Again, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I mean, it depends. Sleeping is one thing, but boning's another. I don't know. It totally is. Edge support. Oh, so like you don't want to, you want like a little lip so you don't fall off the edge. I guess. They should just put a cage around your bed if you're that, <laughs> <laughs> if you're that crazy that you might fall off. Um, comfort, which everybody wants a comfortable mattress. Right. This, this next one would be very important to my husband because he hates all things hot, but cooling, mm-hmm. if it's a cooling mattress. And then overall score. So on top of the $3,000 that they give you, you also get to keep whichever mattress you choose. Ooh. So what okay. the heck? So I guess like they just keep all your mattresses on file and then you get to keep. <laughs> or maybe you just stack them up. Maybe. But it says it's they like remove Princess it the for you. I don't know. So, but they also, they the they say you have to be 18 or older to apply. 
obviously. Mm-hmm. And they want a headshot or um, they prefer a link to a 60-second intro video talking about your passion for the position. Like mm-hmm. you need to prove to them how badly you want to do it on eight different mattresses with your partner. <laughs> Gross. And then they want to see your existing social media account links. Uh-huh. So of I guess course. they just What's like – they're like platform? No uglies need apply. <laughs> 100 percent yeah no we just want to see like you know that you're like legit hot we want to see that you're like super legit hot yeah yeah um otherwise we don't even want to think about it (laughs) (laughs) so you can um it's still up there it's still on the website for sleepstandards.com uh you can sign up and uh i would love for three thousand dollars some dumb it. love listeners to get on this. Yeah. Oh my God. Please, if one of you guys does this, we will. I'm. I'm saying right here and now that we will make a special episode just de- dedicated to your experiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you? I one of the things when I was freelancing, I used to write for this furniture company. There was like a like a. I can't remember the name of the place, but let's say it's like. Ray's Furniture Warehouse and they were redoing their website and so they wanted it all to be like redone in SEO so that people would come so I would have to write about for like weeks I wrote about mattresses and I would have to write they were like but every one needs to be unique like a description (gasps) of this mattress and they wanted to be kind of funny and irreverent and so I wrote so much about mattresses that I really do know a lot about the different options really (laughs) well it's like you know yeah about like firmness and cooling and gel and foam and all the different (laughs) kinds of foam it sounds like Elaine Bennis writing for the Jay Peterman catalog (laughs) yeah I mean amazingly it was like yes it was like the best paying freelancing I did (laughs) Did they stop hiring you because you ran out of adjectives for firmness? <laughs> I think they finished the website. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Such a bummer. Hit up sleep standards. Looks like they're they're all ears. <laughs> I they're should. looking for ideas. Yeah, whoever wrote Bumpin' Uglies can Ugh. get lost. Gross. I know. Oh, man, that's a good one. Okay. Um, okay, so my quickie is from UPI.com by Ben Hooper. Okay, so you know how sometimes you like hear about a couple and you're just like, wow, that is something I wish I had in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have, do you, is there something that like you see in other couples that make you think, like, I want that? Like, that is, oh, yeah, something like, to strive for. Yeah, totally. Like, just when people are like affectionate in public and stuff and don't give a shit, I'm like, we would never do that. But <laughs> should we? Should we be doing that? Should I don't I know. Be? <laughs> um, so my story today is about a couple who like I I heard about and I think I admired this couple for what they have more than any couple I've ever met. No offense to you. Um, money. Is that money? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so in 2013, Raymond and Gail Lillington of Dingwall, Nova Scotia won the lottery. <gasps> I uh, knew it. Yep. They took home a $2.4 million mm-hmm. jackpot. Oh my but God. did they let that stop them from continuing to play the lottery? Even mm. though they had like repeatedly people were like, you'll never win again. No, they kept playing. And guess what, Jen? They won again? Yes. On August 15th, they were both shocked to win $13.2 million. Holy shit. I want to know what gas station they're buying their tickets from. 
Well, one in Nova Scotia, so we're going to have to travel. Oh, okay. But they, like, Raymond says he always told naysayers, like, of course I'm going to win again. But he says, like, that was a joke. I never imagined this would actually happen. He says, winning twice is what makes it so hard to believe. What are the odds? I could never expect this. It's so much money that it's hard to absorb that information. The couple said that their first jackpot went to a new home, new vehicles, traveling, and to make their retirement comfortable. And they said the latest prize will allow them to share generously with their children and grandchildren. And Gail says, our kids are even more mesmerized than we are. They just can't believe it. My oldest texted me a million times today. He can't eat. He can't sleep. The kids can't believe it's real. Wow. That sounds like a really nice, responsible couple. Do you remember like E! True Hollywood Stories? Uh Uh-huh. There was an E! True Hollywood Story and it was called Curse of the Lottery. And it was all about like people who had um, won the lottery and then all these terrible things happened to them or they spent their money wildly and it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. It's amazing how many lottery winners end up broke very quickly. Yeah. What would you – what's the first thing you'd do if you won the lottery? Like the um, very first thing you do. You get the ticket. You find you have the numbers. What would you do? I mean quit my job, but I do need yeah. health insurance. So I guess I would get health insurance first and then I would <laughs> quit my job. <laughs> and then I don't know. I've always – I just want to travel. I just Mm -hmm. want to like, yeah, buy property and travel is what I want to do. Yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. I always say like the first thing I do is just leave, just get on the plane and go straight to like some island and then be there for a couple weeks and like absorb and plan, but just like immediately be like, all right, let's go. We're not even packing bags. You'll buy We're all new stuff. Somewhere. Just buy we'll all buy, new stuff. We'll buy all new stuff. Yeah. Man. I know I've been watching um because there's nothing else to watch. Uh Selling Sunset on Netflix. And just to see these crazy houses and like how are there so many people out there that have fifty that million dollars? Yeah. I know. I think that even when I just drive through Atlanta. I'm like, who are all these rich people? I know. Houses here are so expensive. I know. We'll we'll be that one day. Sure. I know it I know it sounds crazy. I'm just doing what this lottery guy did. I know it sounds crazy and I never thought I would be a bajillionaire, (laughs) but it just happened. But it's just, I mean, I guess we're just blessed, you know? Yeah. I guess we're just lucky, happy people, and God loves us. Yeah. Let's just start thinking on those wavelengths. <laughs> Watch the money pour in. Crazy, dude. Awesome. Nice. All right. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen? Are you ready for a crazy story? I am ready for a crazy story. This one's pretty crazy. It's actually pretty long, but um, I know, you know we like a twisty, turny type story and that's what this is good good Uh, so i wouldn't accept anything less good um so this came from a dateline episode on the dateline podcast um very good highly recommend and then another cbs news story produced by joe halderman and sarah rodriguez all right okay so uh larry riskin was a commander in the navy He joined right after high school, and he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. So he uh, he joined right after high school, and then he like quickly rose through the ranks in the Navy and became a commander. But he fought in the Gulf War, and even though he was you know this like big tough 
Navy commander, his friends and family said that he was the most carefree and loving person. Um, his sister said that Larry was the clown of the family. He was very well liked and funny. He was just like a a big kid. Yeah. So after his stint in, in the Navy, he was living in California uh, when someone set him up on a blind date at a barbecue, which isn't that just a barbecue? <laughs> Where you meet Someone somebody. asked him to go to a barbecue yeah. and was like, hey, I think maybe you'd like this lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> meet my friend. Um, so this is where he met Sonia Rios. Sonia Rios was like a really beautiful, teeny, petite woman from the Philippines. And she mm-hmm. was very successful. She owned her own hair salon in Lomita, which is a s- suburb of Los Angeles. He fell for her super hard. And just usually how all of these stories start out. It's like right. real like hard, fast. In love, in love. So Right. Like, I'm not even going to look at all the red flags. Right. And so Larry was always very close to his family in Olympia, Washington, where he grew up. But as soon as he started dating Sonia, his family said they never saw him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, every time he made plans to come up there and visit, all of a sudden Sonia would have a headache or she didn't feel good. And then he would cancel his plans to stay behind and take care of her. And so it was frustrating for his family, and they they didn't care for her, really. And after about a year, Larry Riskin and Sonia were married in 1990. And apparently they didn't have just one, but they had three separate wedding ceremonies. And exhausting. Yeah, and none of Larry's family was invited to any of the weddings. Isn't that crazy? Why did they have three wedding ceremonies? I have no idea. I I really don't know. And then they settled down in her house, which was in Lomita. So even though the family didn't really like Sonia, her neighbors all thought that she was like very nice and loving and giving and they they were, called her a good friend and mm-hmm. it seemed like it seemed like that her and Larry had a normal marriage, you know, but they said a normal happy marriage, but she would they said it was very evident that she wore the pants in the family. Right. You know, like here's Yeah, this- I mean when you have first of all like someone who's like I need three wedding ceremonies. Yeah. You're already over the top. And then to be like, yeah, but your family can't come. <laughs> he was like the first one. He's like, okay, I get it. You have a big family, lots of friends. The second one, he was like, so maybe like my mom and dad. And she's like, no, no, no. This one's for my coworkers only. <laughs> and then the third yeah. one, she's like, oh, this is for people I've met one time. Sorry, no room for your dad. Yes. And like I said, Larry's family did not like her, including – so he had a little sister named Sherry Jackson. Um and well, she was a woman, but younger right. than him. Yeah. <laughs> but she said that Sonia controlled him. One week, she was coming to visit in LA with a friend, and they stayed at Larry and Sonia's house. And but Larry was out of town, but they stayed at Sonia's. And she said that Sonia locked them out of the house. And made up a story to Larry about it being Sherry's fault. Like Sherry did something that caused Sonia to lock them out. Larry just took his sister's word for it, which of course pissed Sherry off. And then Larry and his sister didn't speak for like a long time after that. It actually put a huge rift in between um, him and their family for about 10 years. So they were married for a while. And when Larry retired from the Navy, he started a new career as a special education teacher. Um, okay. He he loved kids, and it was said that he was, like, the best teacher, and everyone loved him. Kids loved him, and he wanted to have children of his own. 
he wanted to have children with so- his wife, Sonia, but apparently she had lied to him about how old she was. And she was actually 16 years older than him. Oh. So she wasn't able to have children because Ooh. she was already a, a she lot was older. Owed. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we dry up, we shrivel up. <laughs> yeah. My mom uh, would always be like, your eggs are drying up. <laughs> I know. We're all dried up. Go, even though he never saw his family, they would go to the Philippines often to see mm-hmm. her family. And her brother, Sonia's brother, had two grandchildren, a boy and a girl. And their names were Quincy and Jetmark. He loved those kids and he treated them like they were his own. Mm-hmm. And he decided because they were they were kind of in a bad living situation um, mm-hmm. in the Philippines. And he wanted to adopt them and bring them back to the States to raise them. And the kids' parents thought that that was the best idea for them. You know, they, they can go and live in America and have a better life. Sonia said, okay, you know, we'll adopt them, but as long as just let me handle the adoption. And so, of course, it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And after three years of the adoption not going through, Larry looked into it to see, like, what is the holdup? And it turned out that she was sabotaging the adoption the whole time. Uh, Man, why is he still with her? So, well, when he figured that out, he was like, fuck you. I want a divorce. Yeah. So he – wanted to leave and so she agreed she was like okay we'll get a divorce but first what i need from you is i need you to go to the philippines and sell um a taxi business that she owned i guess like just so that they could square away their financials in the divorce she was like i gotta sell this business Uh and he said that he would go do it because he said he wanted to go visit quincy and jetmark anyway he wanted to go see the kids Mm -hmm. because he still intended on adopting them He was going to adopt them by himself. Oh, okay. And so also he wanted to go because it was Quincy's 16th birthday and she was having a sweet 16 and he wanted to be there for that too. But before he went to the Philippines on that last trip, he made one last trip back home to Olympia to see his family who he hadn't seen in years because he was like, I'm leaving her. And the family was happy to see him. They were so glad that he was finally leaving this crazy woman yeah. that was controlling him. And they were all looking forward to him starting a new life. Right. But when his sister, Sherry, took him to the airport to drop him off, to go to the Philippines, he was like, why are you the one going? It's her business. Like, why isn't she going? And he said, oh, it's fine. I want to see the kids anyway. It's fine. I just want to go. But Sherry told Dateline that when her brother got out of the car, when she dropped him off, that she just knew in her heart that that was the last time she was ever going to see him. What? Yeah. So – When Larry went to the Philippines and they had a birthday party for Quincy and everything was great. He was in great spirits. There's like video of him at the party, just so happy and, you know, singing happy birthday. And he always loved her family. You know, he just loved to be a part of family with lots of children. Right. And at the party, he noticed that one of their cousins, a little girl, had a really bad eye infection. And so he insisted on taking her to the hospital to get that looked at and get it taken care of. So 
Um, they decided that, you know, some of the family members, including him and the two kids and the little girl and some other family members were all going to go to the hospital. So um, at the party, one of Sonia's family members called Sonia and told her that they were on their way to the hospital. So so they all take off in his Jeep and they took the little girl to the hospital. They fixed mm-hmm. her up. They were leaving the hospital and as they were leaving and everyone was getting back into the Jeep, all of a sudden a motorcycle with two people on it just rode up out of nowhere. And one of them shot Larry at close range in the head and in the stomach. Oh. And so the family – With the little kids there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They saw everything. And the family in the Jeep were in – complete shock and they tried to get Larry back inside the hospital to try and save him but it was too late at just 43 years old Larry Riskin had passed away oh poor Larry I know poor Larry and these poor kids they for years they thought that they were gonna go to that this man was gonna adopt them and then they not only does that keep getting pushed back and that's not happening but then they see him killed in front of their eyes it's just so heartbreaking yeah so when sonia got the call back in the states that larry had died she called her neighbors across the street and you know she was hysterical like my husband my husband my husband Mm -hmm. died and they came right over to be there for her they she asked uh, will you let larry's family know what happened because i can't talk to them right now so sherry larry's sister said that she had gotten a message at, while she was at work and it said that it was Larry's neighbor and they needed her to call him back. And Sherry told Dateline that when she saw the message, she walked into her co-worker's office and said, I just got a message and I know that when I answer it, they're going to tell me that Larry is dead. And sure enough, yeah. that's exactly what happened. And she said immediately when they told her that he died, she said, she did it. She did it. It was Sonia. You have to look into her. So she called the police and was like, look into this woman. And the neighbors, when she told the neighbors, they believed Sonia and saw that she was so distraught. But they said that the very next day, not even like 24 hours later, the very next day, she asked them to come back over. She asked the husband to come back over. And um, handed him a bunch of papers and was like, will you help me find the life insurance papers? And he was like, oh, this is weird. And he said that he just left. And even though it looked shady as hell, it was obvious that he was murdered. You know, back in the Philippines, they the police said that there were no recognizable witnesses and the case went nowhere. Wait, what? Yeah. So even though these two people came up, and shot him and it was like all just kids in the car all of the family is saying that they didn't they couldn't id anybody so sonia had larry's remains cremated she had him cremated and she refused to bring the remains back to the united states which was a huge (sighs) fuck you to the family they were Needless to say, very distraught. The whole family was distraught. They just wanted um, this case solved and they wanted Larry's remains back, but the case was going nowhere. But then in 2006, Sherry received a phone call from a reporter and the reporter told her that Sonia had another husband 19 years earlier who also wound up dead. What? Yeah. A man- man. 
named Earl John Bordeaux. So Earl John Bordeaux and his friends called him Duke grew up in Davenport, Iowa. His brother Dennis said that Duke was the pride of the family. He was like really handsome and he he was a Marine. Everybody was just so proud of him. And um, he was a Marine that was stationed in the Philippines when he first met Sonia. And she was, you know, pretty... I've told you before that we my family lived in the Philippines. Yeah, for several years. Yeah, my dad in was Manila. in the Air Force. We lived on on the Air Force base, but it was not. It was about an hour, or two hours from Manila. Oh, yeah. Well, so a lot of this took place right outside of Manila, which yeah. is interesting. So she was a a nightclub singer and she was very pretty and he fell in love with her quickly and Mm -hmm. he would write home to his family about her. He was so proud of this woman and their relationship and he was so excited and couldn't wait for his family to meet her and they got married and then they moved back to Iowa at first. But once his career with the Marines was over, they ended up moving to Southern California where Sonia opened up her salon and Duke worked at a bakery. And their relationships were eerily similar. Similar, Like they were both these military men being right. controlled by this like teeny tiny woman, you know, and Sonia was the boss. And Duke and Sonia were married for 20 years. You know, at the end of the 20 years, Duke was really miserable. And he told Sonia that he wanted a divorce. And then Sonia told him, you can get a divorce, but you have to go to the Philippines and sell my family's taxi company. What? Isn't that insane? That is insane. So Duke wanted his brother Dennis to go with him, and and Dennis wanted to go with him because he didn't feel right about this whole situation. But apparently Dennis wasn't able to get – the passport in time. So he wasn't able to go, but he did say that there was like a layover in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Duke got off the plane in Hawaii was on the layover, he told his brother Dennis, he was like, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to go. And Dennis was like, don't go then don't go. Yeah. And, um, and he went and he said, I'm not you. And so he, and he went. So <sighs> on August 15th, 1987, when Duke That's when fi- we were living there. Really? Yes. Crazy. So when Duke finally got to Manila, so he went to Manila and he, he arrived at Sonia's family's house around midnight and he was exhausted from the flight, you know, so he just went to sleep on the couch. He just fell asleep, but he never woke up because he was shot to death in his sleep. In their house? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Obviously, when his family back home found out about it, they were devastated. And Sonia and her family tried to say that it was a break-in gone wrong. You know, like somebody broke in the house and killed him. But when the police investigated, they saw that, you know, obviously nothing had been stolen. There was no no break-ins. And they saw that one of Sonia's brothers had blood, fresh blood on his hands and on his pants. And they ended up arresting five of her family members for the death of Duke Bordeaux because it was obvious that they had killed him. But um, And they said that it should have been an open and shut case, but it was dismissed because Sonia didn't attend the hearing. In the Philippines, the next of kin has to be there on behalf of the victim. And so she was his wife. So she was needed to be at the trial standing in for Duke. 
and crazy. Isn't that crazy? But because she wasn't there and she didn't show up, the entire case was dismissed. Duke's brother Dennis knew that Sonia had killed him. He, she just knew he knew it. I mean, it was so obvious. And right. um, she collected his life insurance and inherited his estate. And his life insurance, I, I think it was, they said it was like a six-figure life insurance policy. And when Dennis tried to have her investigated because he wanted to prove that she did it, he started receiving death threats from her family. <gasps> yeah. And so I love my brother's. But I'm not killing anyone for them. That's a crazy. I mean, it just is such like a crazy thing to think like everybody's like, yeah, okay, let's just go ahead and kill the guy that you just. Oh, so done brothers, with. Jimmy? Yeah, yes. yeah. It was like she was controlling her family too, and she was the only source of income. For the family. So it was like they needed to do what she said. They needed to kill who she wanted because then she would get these the money and the inheritance and then she they she paid her family off. Right. So it was all about money and they didn't give a fuck how they got it. Right. And they all did what Sonia said. I mean, because Sonia was the one that had the salon. She was the one that had like uh, lived in the, the United States in a nice house and had money that she could send back there. So when she went back there, they did whatever she asked. Yeah. So, I will say, I mean, I know I'm sure it is still the case, but we, when we were there, it was just so much poverty. You know, yeah. it's just the poverty like was on a level that you, I, it exists here, but it's not something that you see all the time. So I imagine that that, and a lot of corruption. So there were some very rich people who were very corrupt and then a lot of people who were very impoverished. So I can imagine that that would create desperate situations especially when you have somebody who's sending you money that you're the whole family's living on I yeah so Dennis started receiving death threats from her family but Dennis was also he was convinced that Sonia had had his brother's body buried or disposed of in the Philippines so that investigators could never take like another look at the body and so he called Sonia to confront her and he said I know the whole thing, Sonia. I know you had my brother killed. All all I want is my brother back here, and you'll never hear another word from me. I won't bother you, but if you don't, I'm going to haunt you until hell freezes over. And I would have said the same fucking thing. I don't care mm-hmm. if I'm getting death threats. I would have said the same thing. But so the then things started getting even crazier for Dennis on two different occasions when he was outside, just at different places, he was just shot at randomly. And he was convinced that her family was trying to kill him too. And he called the FBI repeatedly and nothing ever happened. Like the case went nowhere. Nothing ever happened until the murder of Larry Ruskin. Because apparently the FBI had been watching Sonia, not only because the mysterious deaths of her first husband, but because she had a history, a long history of fraud and including she set fire to her own salon to collect on insurance, which she did collect. She filed multiple back bankruptcies, um, fake lawsuits, tax evasion. Like she was just a train wreck of a person. She was caught at one point and she had to pay restitutions. But other than that, nothing ever happened to her. And she was able – she like kept living her life. And so needless to say, when Larry's sister Sherry found out about Duke, 
she was shocked, you know, and and, right. then she, and she called Duke's brother, Dennis, right away. And, you know, they compared stories and they were convinced that they had killed both of their brothers. So the Riskin family ended up hiring a private investigator. His name was Bong Oteza. He said that the shooting was a well-planned hit, that they hired a killer because he knows his trade. He knows what to do, is what he said. He said nothing was stolen. The hired gunman was obviously only after Larry. He said right. it's not a robbery. It was an assassination. It's a murder case. He also saw that Sonia had several life insurance policies out on Larry. Mm-hmm. And the only beneficiary for all of these life insurance policies was Sonia Rios. And they were estimated to be at over a million dollars. And so even though they were investigating her, nine months went by and nothing. And Sonia remained free and was working, living her life. And the neighbors said that she was like, she didn't seem sad. She wasn't even looking into the murder. Mm -hmm. She was just living her life, driving around in a convertible, working at the salon. Nothing was happening. And then one day, Sherry, Larry's sister, starts to receive some really weird emails. And the emailer told Sherry that he could get her brother's ashes back for her, that they're in the Philippines, that all she had to do was give him $35,000. And it said the emailer was signed by a John Bordeaux. So, you know, Duke was, Duke's last name was Duke Bordeaux. Right. Apparently, Sonia had a child before meeting Duke, and Duke had secretly adopted this son and no one ever knew about it and nobody what? in his family ever knew about it and larry uh riskin never knew about it his, the second husband nobody knew about this son Where john was he? bordeaux he he was living in the united states at this point crazy so yeah but sherry knew that something was fucked up and obviously the person that's emailing her was probably responsible for all of like what's happening here. Yeah. But she played along with it. He she wanted to find answers. And this person, John Bordeaux, would say that he knew that I know that Sonia is the one that was responsible for the murders. Like I know it, you know, she had something to do with it. So Sherry acted like she was this person's friend and would email back and forth with him. Again, like I was saying, nothing was really happening. The case was going nowhere. And then up close to the one-year anniversary of Larry Riskin's murder, 60-year-old Sonia Rios was found in her home in a pool of blood, (gasps) dead from a gunshot wound to the head. What? Yep. They said that she had been shot execution style and her purse was there and nothing was stolen and that the person that found her was John Bordeaux. <gasps> yeah. But when police arrived on the scene, there was a different family mem- member there that was like flagging them down like, hey, 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 I, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And it was her nephew, Eric De La Cruz. So Eric was her beloved nephew. Um, he was a sailor. He was her favorite of all of her family members. And he, mm-hmm. he called Sonia grandmother, even though she was like, he was a nephew. They said, he said, that's my grandma. That's my grandson. And Eric told the detectives that I know that John Bordeaux had something to do with this. I know it was him. 
And Eric went to the neighbors and asked them, you know, did you see anything? Did you know anything? Do you know anything about John Bordeaux? I just want justice for my grandmother. And the police did think that it was really weird when they went into Sonia Riskin's house and they saw, I keep calling her Sonia Riskin or Sonia Rios. It was Sonia Rios and then at one point Sonia Riskin. Right. So the police did think that it was weird when they went into her house and they noticed that they didn't have, she didn't have any pictures of her son. You know, if this is your son, you don't have any pictures of him in your house. Right. And they they thought like their relationship must have been strained. So John Bordeaux is obviously looking very good for the murder of his mother. And so they brought him in for questioning and they gave him a polygraph. And he said, he said, look, me and my mom were not the closest, but I didn't have any problems with her right now. If you want to look into something that somebody that would have wanted my mom dead look into sherry jackson larry's sister person would want revenge right and the thing is is that a lot of people wanted to see sonia rios dead right you know there was (laughs) sherry there was dennis duke's brother all the other people that she scanned what's weird is that nine days before her murder she had been shot at in her own salon Dang. She this called, is chaotic. I know. It's crazy. So she called the police because she had been shot at and she reported that there was a strange man in here asking for a haircut, but something didn't seem right about him. So she asked him to leave. She was like, I only do cut people's hair who I know, so you need to go. But she asked him to leave, but she wrote down the phone number that he called her from like because he called her right before he walked in from his cell phone and she wrote it down and she gave that number number to the police when she had been shot at nine days earlier. So the police had this number and when they traced it, it belonged to a man named Fernando Romero. And they didn't know who this person was, you know, but when they looked up Fernando Romero's phone records, they thought that they would be able to connect him to John Bordeaux, like maybe John called him or whatever. But when they looked up the phone records, they did not see that he had been talking to John Bordeaux, but who they did see that he had been talking to very regularly was her nephew, Eric <gasps> De La Cruz. Eric De La Cruz! Yes. So when they looked into the IP addresses of the emails that Sherry was getting, was saying, uh, I can kill her for you and uh, like give me th- right. 35000 Um And it was signed by John Bordeaux. But when they looked into the IP addresses, they saw that all of the, they were all pinging from different locations all around the world. And they were all places that Eric had been stationed at when he was in the Navy. And so. Not only that, but then they found out that Fernando Romero was also in the Navy and he was stationed on the same ship as Eric de la Cruz. They were friends and they had plotted this entire murder together while they were at sea. And so the police strung Eric along, making him think that, yeah, yeah, we're looking into John, you know, we need your help on this case. But they knew that Eric was guilty and that yeah. so they were just t- using this time to build their case against him they were able to establish his motive and the motive was obviously money because they said that she was killed on a friday and on that monday eric went to her lawyer and was asking him what she- he was getting from her will and he was very upset when he found out that she had left everything to her son john 
So Eric decided to frame John for uh-huh. her murder in hopes of that he would then get the money. But that didn't happen. And both Eric De La Cruz and Fernando Romero were both arrested and charged with first-degree murder. They believed that Eric let Fernando in the house and that Fernando was the one that shot Sonia. Um, and But the thing was, when they went to court, it was such a strange case because they're trying to convict these two guys for murdering someone who is also a murderer and a monster. So they were afraid that the jury would... That good riddance. Yeah. But Sonia Rios' nephew, Alec de la Cruz, and Fernando Romero were arrested in April of 2009, and they were both charged with the murder. They were both found guilty, and each of them... They both pled not guilty, but they were both found guilty, and they both were sentenced to 26 years to life. The murders of Earl Duke Bordeaux and Larry Riskin still remain unsolved to this day. And that is the story of who? Sonia Rios, who they call the Black Widow of Lomita. Dude, that was nuts. So, isn't that crazy? And, like, what a fitting end for someone who was so depraved. I mean, not that I want anybody to be married. I'd rather, I'm sure everybody would rather that she had gotten caught and gone to jail and faced justice for what she had done yeah but also it's just like that's what she so like she reaped what she sowed right she was so greedy and only after money and didn't care who she hurt and then that's what happened to her too and you like you said like you'd think that they would feel better that you know she received the same fate but Sherry, his sister, she wanted to see her have to pay for it. Not by she was upset when she was killed because right. a she didn't want another person dead. B she wanted her to have to really face and admit what she did and pay for it. And she wanted to know where her brother's remains are, which she still doesn't know to this day. At right. the end of the Dateline episode, they actually took her to the Philippines and they were trying to track down his remains and they couldn't. She had a wreath made and set it out to sea as her in the Philippines as like her closure. Yeah. Because she doesn't that's the only closure she could get. It's really sad. Dang. I know. That's a crazy story. Yeah. Good job, dude. Thanks, man. Hey Jen. Hey Sally. Are you ready for a love story? I really am i am okay yes. I, I have to say i'm just a warning there's like a couple of sad points in this one but okay. we're gonna we're gonna end up happy okay we're ending up in love we're going to happy town okay, okay. let's do it i got my information from the sun by allison maloney and an article in the mirror by adam aspinall Okay, so Julie Rose grew up ice skating, and she was really good, and so she spent a lot of her time at her local ice skating rink in Bristol, England, and when she was just 17, she met 23-year-old Bob Sullivan, who worked there, and he decided that he he thought she was really cute, and he was like, I'm going to try and make her laugh, and so he said to her, would you think yourself lucky to go out with me? And it turned out she did. They started dating, and in 1979, they were married. And Julie says it was a small but lovely wedding. Her sister Lydia was a bridesmaid, and Julie says, walking down the aisle, a big smile on my face, I thought I'd found my happily ever after. They bought a house together in Bristol in 1982, and they had children quickly. They had Lee, and then Richard, and then Samantha. 
and they were living just kind of a normal, happy life. You know, they were both working in the 90s. Uh, Julie became a delivery driver, and Bob was a long-distance bus driver, and his trips often took him abroad. I think he was doing tours, like bus tours. Um, And Julie says, like, as a young mom, it was hectic, but the kids were wonderful, and we were so, so happy. But then, you know, the kids got older, and I think as it often happens, they found that they were drifting apart. And in 1998, Julie says, we realized things weren't right. We weren't a partnership anymore. We were effectively strangers in a marriage. And so they got divorced. And she says, but she says, our divorce was as amicable as a divorce can be. There were no crosswords or flung plates, just a realization that we were no longer a team. And the two worked really hard to make things as easy as possible for the kids. And both parents were really close to all three kids. And they didn't speak to each other often as, you know, you wouldn't as a divorced couple. But through their children, they kind of kept tabs on each other. Um, In September of 2000, Bob met a woman named Sue at a hotel in East Sussex. And they got married in October of 2001. And then in 2004, Julie met a guy named Dave at work. And two two years later, they were married too. And Julie says, like, what? by the time we had been divorced for eight years, we'd both moved on. But then something horrible happened. On December 28th, 2006, their oldest child, Lee, was he was 26 years old when he came home to see his mom. And he told her he just didn't feel right. And he had kind of flu-like symptoms, but he quickly got worse. He was he couldn't get out of bed and he was just laying there shivering and then sweating. Aww. And Julie knew that her son's condition was really serious. And so she drove him to the hospital on New Year's Day. But tragically the next day he died from a blood clot on his lungs. Oh no. And they actually didn't end up having an autopsy because they thought it, it it was natural. Obviously, he was very young, but it was just kind of a freak thing, the blood clot. And um, and so they didn't – they don't know exactly what happened. They didn't have an autopsy. Oh. And Julie says, the bottom fell out of my world. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And so Julie and Bob, as you can imagine, they put all of their differences aside and they planned his funeral. And on January 11, 2007, together they walked side by side down the church at his funeral. And Julie says there were gasps as we did this. People couldn't believe we were together as previously we hadn't really spoken, but we were united by our love of Lee and our shared sadness. Mm. And so after that, they they started another a friendship. They their relationship thawed and they and Julie says we had Lee to thank for that. And not only were Bob and Julie friends, but Julie got to know Sue, who was lovely sue was bob's new wife and the two women actually became very close friends over the years the couples would socialize occasionally and all together they began the slow process of healing from this unimaginable loss and so for 10 years their lives were quiet you know they would see each other sometimes and bob and sue were living their lives uh and dave and julie were living their lives dave And Julie got into wildlife photography and actually bought an owl together that Julie says was like their child. She doted on it. But then in February 2017, Julie came home to find that both Dave and her beloved owl were gone. And he had left her and and (gasps) left basically was like, there's no chance of us reconciling. And Julie, um, in the articles that I read, she's like, I don't really want to talk about it, but 
I was heartbroken. And I'm so sure. the two, yeah. So the two began divorce proceedings. And then just a month later, on March 3rd of 2017, Sue at age 70 died of lung cancer. Oh and my so God. both both Julie and Bob were once again heartbroken together and brought together by their shared mourning. And immediately Julie thought back to one of the, the final things that Sue had said to her. So they were at a barbecue at Sue's house not long before she died, and it was a big family event. And Sue had turned to Julie and said, you'll take care of him, won't you? But she didn't know that Sue was sick. So Julie and Bob started to lean on each other through their sorrows. And in May, their son Richard went to go see his dad and invited Julie to come along. And they had kind of been like keeping tabs on each other over the phone. But then face to face, Julie and Bob both broke down and admitted that they still had feelings for each other. And Julie said, we had a big cuddle in the middle of the room and confessed that we still loved each other. So almost 40 years after their first date, Julie and Bob started dating again. And now that they were back together, they didn't want to waste any more time. They knew that life was precious and that nothing's promised. And so in October of that year, while on vacation in Amsterdam, Bob asked Julie to marry him. And he gave her a sapphire and diamond ring that was similar to the ring that he had first proposed with. And Julie says he didn't get down on one knee. He'd still be down there now. But in the hotel, he said he loved me and wanted to marry me. Our children were delighted when we told them. And on Christmas Day, they told everybody about their wedding, their extended family, including Sue's children, who are were now in their 40s. And everyone was delighted. Everyone was very supportive of the two. And Bob sold his home in Gloucester and moved back into their original home that they had bought together in 1982. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So they got married in September of 2018 in Bristol. Richard was the best man, and their granddaughter, Lily, was a flower girl. Bob said, I'm so happy with with the way things worked out. I think Sue would be happy for us, too. She wouldn't want me to be on my own. And then Julie says, love the second time around is fantastic. Oh, and that's my story. It's just a sweet, sweet, quick one. <laughs> and yes, oh, that is sweet. I'm yeah. glad that they're together again. It is there's life, man. Life, life. Man. life. So should we do something dumb and something we love? You know what? I think we should. That's how we always do it. <laughs> That's how we do it. Um, All right, you're first. Okay. So for something dumb, I think I know we touched on it in the beginning. I think I'm going to go with uh, this was a very stressful week. It just <laughs> was like my brain. Week. My brain hurts. I can't do it anymore. I just need to shut off. I uh, just too much going on at one time with um, work and homeschooling and uh, yeah. just so much. So that's something dumb and something I love is, well, the show last night was great. I had a great time, but something I love is um, I'm rewatching because I'm gearing up. Season two is about to come out soon. Have we talked about this show before for uh, Pen15 on Hulu? Oh, I've I've watched a couple episodes, but I didn't get into it. But I you know didn't? that people love it. Oh ben my loves it. God, I love it. I know. I you know it's great that Ben loves it because I was thinking about maybe rewatching it again with Zach, but I was like, he won't get this because he was never a teenage girl. But maybe right. so if Ben likes it, then maybe I'll try. 
Zach. Yeah, he he loved it. I don't know why I just couldn't get into it. I don't know if it was the time that we watched it or I should probably go back to it because I know that people love it. Oh, I just found it. I find it so relatable. It's hysterical. It's so well written. And uh, those the two, um, I I think that they're they write and produce and act in it. Right. Uh, They are just uh, like spectacular. They're they're so wonderful. And so I'm so excited for season two to come out that I I just decided to go back and rewatch the first season again and like three episodes in. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so fucking good! It's right. so good. <laughs> so I, um, if you guys haven't already watched Pen Fifteen, I think the new season starts. I think September. I should Google it real quick to give you a uh, correct information. The second season is supposed to come out on September 18th, so you have time to catch up. You have a few weeks, so right. uh, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I love it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get into it. Okay. I'm going to do it. <laughs> do it. Okay. So, my something dumb, I don't I know you saw my picture on Instagram, but I we, so we have a we also do a childcare pod with another family. Mm-hmm. And um and so Max's uh Max's front archer was over and I was working in my room and I had like I got this new standing desk and it came in all this packaging and I was trying to like I was just trying to get some work done, but it was like my turn to watch the kids. And they were like playing in the room and they were like, oh, can we play with this styrofoam? And I was like, sure, whatever, you know, like just kind of like just just do whatever you know, uh-huh. like, just as long as I get. And it was not that much styrofoam and you cannot even imagine the mess that it made. Oh. So I just want this as like a cautionary tale to everybody is like, don't, don't. It's It was so hard to clean up. I am still finding styrofoam everywhere in my house. It got everywhere. It's so hard. It just like sticks to everything. It flies away when you try to vacuum it. Oh it my is- god! I saw your picture, and I it's shocking. But and then I immediately got flashbacks to. I still think about this to this day, and I feel so sorry, Vicky Esquino, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, me and my friend Julia Esquino, uh, growing up, like oh, when we were little, we decided to have a pillow fight, and then we're like, oh. "How come it's not like in the movies where like pillow stuffs flying everywhere?" <laughs> so we literally got scissors and cut open these like down feather pillows, and then had a pillow fight with feathers all over her room, and I remember the look on. Uh, this is we I called her Vicky. Vicky's face yeah. when she came upstairs and saw the entire bedroom covered in these teeny tiny goose feathers all over the ha- <laughs> the the room. And she told like I remember she was like my second mother, but I remember yeah. her talking about how it took like weeks for her to vacuum out. All the dresser drawers were open. It, it got in everything and it took yes. her an eternity to clean it all up. And I still think about this today. And that picture just just brought back so many memories. It, I mean, the crazy part is that I was in the room while it was happening. Like I just was like, well, Not it started. Not paying attention. 
I mean, I was just like, okay, it's not so bad first, but then they just kept playing. And I was like, well, I already, I said yes to this and like what they're having fun. Like they kept being like, this is so much fun. It's snow. And I was just like, I'm getting work done. I'm just, it's not going to be that. I just didn't realize how bad it was going to be to clean up. And I kept thinking my mom always tells the story. Like, well, my mom always would tell me the story when, um, when she first had my brother, she was at another mom's house. My brother was like maybe one or two. Uh-huh. And she said the little girl came out of like a, out of the bathroom and she had powder like head to toe and it was all over everything. She had like taken baby powder and just spilled everywhere and it played in it. And she remembered the mom being like, what a beautiful mess you made. Oh, but that was so fun. And my mom was just like, that's the mom I want to be is just like to be cool about it, whatever. And so I kept thinking of that. I was like, I'm going to be the cool mom. Oh so my I was like, God. I even said to Max, I'm like, what an awesome mess. You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. He's like, why did you say that? I was like, well, you know, it's fun to make a mess and then it was fun to clean it up. And, you know. Oh, Sally, so, I could, I would never. I just, I, I just, well, I was like, I allowed this. I can't get mad at them for doing it. But it was such a mistake. I just want you guys to know, don't don't be that mom. Just be the mom who's like, no, you can't play with styrofoam. Oh, my God. I am the mom that's like, stop moving the pillows. Stop <laughs> moving the pillows. I put them here for a reason. Why do you have to throw the pillows on the floor every five seconds? Like, I am, like, I am definitely not the, oh, what a wonderful mess you made. <laughs> I mean, in my heart, I'm not either. But I really was like, I'm going to channel this. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my god. What a god. mistake. Ben put on his shoes yesterday. I had finally gotten everything cleaned up. He like got shoes out of his closet and then he would like came out and there were just there was styrofoam all in his shoes that had been in his closet. They had somehow gotten styrofoam in oh, shoes. Geez. So now he tracked it all over the house. Oh god. Oh, anyway, yeah, so yeah. that's dumb. That was dumb. I'll post that picture. And um, but the thing that I love is our little our little pandemic pod. Oh yeah. Um, Jeff and April, who are – Jeff actually listens to the podcast. We always make fun of April because she does not. <laughs> Jeez. Uh-huh. But uh, but they're they're so awesome. And Archer and Max are like best little buddies. And it's so nice to have people to that you totally trust and to send your kid to. And, um, and we love having Archer here because it's so nice for Max to have somebody to play with. And it's just nice to have people who we like to socialize with and – and I just, I just really appreciate. I'm so glad that we are, we have, that we have potted. It is really, if you guys are thinking about it and trying to find a way to just save your sanity, <laughs> I know it yeah. has done that for you too. And some, you know, it's, it just is, it, it, it's been such a game changer for us. Yeah. I so told, that's what I love. That's oh, awesome. And, and one other thing that I wanted to mention is that I was a guest on a podcast this week and it's going to be come out on Thursday. It's called uh, Mighty Blue on the Appalachian Trail, and it's a <gasps> podcast all about hiking. And so I talked about if you want to listen to me talk about hiking the trail a little more and um, and my story with Ben, you can find that. It's coming out on Thursday. So Mighty Blue on the Appalachian Trail. I definitely want to yeah. check it out. Thanks, guys, for another amazing week. Uh, we dumb love you so much. We dumb love um, you guys real hard. Rate and review if you feel like it. I'm not yeah. the boss of you. I can't tell you what to do. Uh, if you want to, that'd be awesome. And uh, follow us on the socials at Dumb Love. Where, yep, Dumb Love Podcast at – sorry to interrupt. Uh, dumb Love Podcast at – no, sorry. At Dumb Love Podcast on <laughs> That's Instagram, what you get for interrupting. <laughs> if you're going to interrupt, my, do it right. 
<laughs> this is my fucking line, Jen. <laughs> you do it. You guys know we're at Dumb Love Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And even though I just wanted to say I, I, we have not been keeping up with social media a ton recently. We've been so busy. Um, it's just we've been so busy. It's just, you know, pandemic. That's yeah, it's pandemic, you guys. Um, so stick with us. We still are posting fun stuff. So follow us there. Find us on Patreon. We would love for you guys to join us. We're putting out um, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, yeah. And we love you guys. Yeah. And uh, get out there with the mask on safely. Bring some hand sanitizer and do something dumb for love. Dum, da, dum, 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 da, 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 dum, da,